0: from the 19th verse to the 34th verse. Simple teaching, but it's beautiful teaching. We are are talking about the stewardship of treasures. And I've spent uh, two weeks talking about the heart being one of our greatest treasures. But it's what's in our heart that counts. And that's why we went on to find out that the scripture says that the heart is most deceitful of all. In other words, don't let yourself go by your heart because your heart can take you right off a cliff. But then again, the scripture says, above all things it, guard your heart because from it flow the issues of life. In other words, as tricky as the heart can be, and as sly and as slick as it can be, wanting its own way and being the seat of ego, still we have to guard it. And we have to guard it because I think you people that are into the computer world, not me, I'm going to heaven without a computer. Matter of fact, computers are the antichrist. <laughs> Now, that tape will go down in history. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just too old to be mechanical, if you know what I mean. I look at a computer and I just, you know, as a matter of fact, I even wave to it so it doesn't bother me, you know, and I walk by. But I, I have to tell you, the heart is like a computer. And the interesting thing about the computer is whatever you put in, that's what you get out the computer is not magical the computer does not answer in terms of in terms of anything unless you have fed it whatever you want to come out from there and that's why sometimes there's quite an expression garbage in and garbage out and that's the way the heart is and that's why the scripture says above all things God it God your heart because if you keep letting garbage go in That's what's going to come out. And the scripture tells us that so carefully. So we must (coughs) guard our hearts. And it's Jesus that says that where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And so we have to designate today. What are we talking about when we talk about treasures? Well, we're talking about those things that have to do with living. With scratching out a living. And it's important because we all have to live. There isn't anybody sitting here that doesn't have to. And if you know the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul says, El que no trabaje, que no coma. If you don't work, you can't eat. And he does. And that expression came through a very spiritual situation that was happening. There were people waiting for the coming of the Lord. And they were waiting so hard, they were on the mountain. But when he didn't come, they had to come down to the valley to the brethren's house and said, Well, let us in to get a little tidy and to get some food and to pack a little lunch because the Lord is delaying a little, but we're going back to the mountain. Well, they pulled this six or seven weeks. And, you know, the people had to, try, the people had to shop triple groceries. And finally, they, they complained to the Apostle Paul and they says, Hey, we got a lot of spiritual people on the hill that aren't working. But they're eating all our food. The Apostle Paul looked into it and I love him. He says, look, the coming of the Lord is not to be waiting for him in idleness. It's not to be waiting for him in dumbness. It's not to be waiting for him in terms of some spooky situation, no. We have to wait for the Lord in alertness. We have to wait for the Lord in being in tune with the Spirit of God. But we must go about our daily living. And that's where the Apostle Paul said to the people, listen, tell those people to get down to their houses, to start working, and to get about the business of life. Well, can you imagine 2,000 years have gone by? They would have been on that hill for a long time, right? And there are always people around that think that somebody owes them a living. And that's not so. We are told that life has burdens, and life has needs, and life has situations. The only thing is, we wear our socks on inside out. And that's where our problem comes from. Sure, we have to make a living. But when making a living becomes your life, you're not making a living. Living is taking its toll on you. So this is where we've got to get the balance. This is where we've got to stop and think and say, let me understand. What is the Lord talking about? First time I read this scripture to some gentleman, and uh, matter of fact, I think it was some inmates, and it was so funny, he says, lady, we ain't birds and we ain't flowers. And I said, well, precisely, precisely, that's what the Lord's saying. You're not birds, yet he takes care of the birds. You're not flowers, yet he takes care of the flowers. Well, if you're not either of those two that come and go so quickly, and God takes care of them, what makes you think he won't take care of you when you're the prize of his creation? Precisely that's the thing. No, we're not birds. We're not birds. But because we're not birds, and he does take care of the birds. I I like one preacher. One preacher says, God goes to the funeral of every sparrow. It says, not one falls from the sky that he doesn't know about. So God goes to the funeral of every sparrow. Will he not take care of us? You see, when you start talking about the God that gives, we always get very edgy and we walk off and fall off the cliff. Our, our, Our supposition is, If somebody's going to take away my money, listen, let's forget it. It's over. No, no, no. God is telling you how to get it, how to use it, how to keep it, and how he'll multiply it for you. That's all God is saying. God isn't taking anything from you. And I love God. I love the way he talks to David. I love the things he says to David. He says, David, do you think I'm hungry, that I need all those sacrifices? Do you think I'm hungry? David, do you think I'm poor? That I need your gold and your silver? Do you think I'm poor? Who gave the gold mines? Who gave them? Who put everything in its place? God did. So we can't satisfy him with our gold. We can't satisfy him with our silver. He is the giver of all of it. When he asked for sacrifice, there was a typology. There was a shadow, there was a teaching involved that it would not be without the remission, uh, the shedding of blood, we would not have the remission of sins. So there was a teaching there. And folks, this is what God wants to do. He wants to teach us. And he wants to teach us things that are very important. And one of the things that are very important is that we can't spend our entire life worrying about life this human struggle never gives up it never gives up If you're living today you're thinking about rent it's about the first of the month folks can I give anybody a migraine you gotta pay that rent nobody's coming to pay it for you nobody's coming to pay it for it. you've got to pay for it when you think of going to the AMPs hey you gotta pay there is nothing for nothing And so we realize life becomes a turmoil. This is what God is saying to us. He is saying that the human struggle will always be there. There will always be a fight for commodities. There will always be a fight for properties. There will always be a fight for ownership of something. But when that becomes your only fight, it's over. It's over. There is a hymn in Spanish which is so beautiful. And it says there are rich people that die not knowing where their pain is at. Hay ricos que mueren sin saber donde esta su dolor. They don't know where their pain is at. Why don't they know? Because they've had everything. There's a beauty in being poor. You can dream. You can window shop. You can cut things out of the newspaper. You say, oh, Sester, that's so childish. Oh, I love it. I love it. I have a brown bag that I call it my dream. It's a brown envelope. And I call it my dream envelope. And as I think of something I want, I cut it out of the magazines, and I cut it out, of, and I put it in my brown bag. You say, well, what do you do with it? Nothing. I'm afraid to pray over it. The Lord, they might might, might jump out of the bag and sock me. It's it's just my way of looking at things. You say, oh, you you know, sister, I, I think you're weak. Yeah, I am. Big, but weak. I'm not playing games. I just want to tell you something. There isn't a person alive that doesn't want things. And if you don't want things, you become a homeless person. And then you start collecting garbage and you have no hope. And that's the end of it. We don't have homeless people. We have hopeless people. Because where there's hope, where there's a flicker of hope, where there's a flicker of hope, there's a sense of of drive. There's a sense of power. There's a sense of go get it. There's a, a sense of I'll do it. There's a sense of I'll survive. But when there's hopelessness, there is none. Human struggle is always in your In your little piece of paper that I gave you today, in your bulletin, when you go home, you read it. There are people that fight for things and there are other people that fight for power and control. What I want to dedicate this day to is spiritual growth. And spiritual growth in terms of the stewardship of our treasures. Don't be possessed by anything. Yet possess what you possess with grace and with thanksgiving. That's all. That's, that's the whole difference. Don't you be possessed. But you possess. You possess with grace and thanksgiving. And let me tell you something. When you possess something like that, God gives you another thing. He gives you discernment. Discernment as to what to do. Determining as to what to get into and what not to get into. When you start to watch out for your heart and watch out for pleasing God, then God starts to watch out for you. And God loves to watch out for you. I mean, this is his favorite pastime. That's why he says, call on me and I will answer thee. And I will show you great and wonderful things that ye know not. That's why he says, come unto me. You're heavy laden, you're burdened. Come unto me. And I will give you rest. That's why he says, My yoke is easy, my burden light. Yours is going to kill you. And your burden is heavy, it'll drag you down. Come unto me. My yoke is easy. Why? Because we're yoked to him. And believe it or not, he does carry the load. He just gives us the strength to walk side by side. We've got to understand this, folks in this chapter uh, of the sixth chapter, which is the chapter that mainly deals with what we have. Jesus sets so many things straight. It, it, it's interesting. He says, don't be a show off. And he was talking in terms of prayer. Don't be a show off. Let God reward you. No, no, he wasn't talking in terms of prayer. This was when you give alms, when you give to the poor. It's where Jesus says, don't blow a trumpet. Don't stop the traffic. Don't do it in the temple so everybody will see you. Don't be a show-off. Do whatever you have to do. What God, When God tells you to do something, do it. Do it. Three years ago, you people celebrated a pastor's day for me. Do you remember that pastor's day in the school? I don't know if you know it. The most miserable day of my life. The most miserable day of my life it was so miserable that I said it will never happen again and it never has and it never will it never will and I'll tell you why because if God touches you to bless me you be obedient and you bless me if he doesn't don't you know what I mean and let me tell you something your tithes and your offerings does bless me because that's where my salary comes from. That's where my ability to look like I look comes from. Plus a lady that lives or works in a shop and gets me my clothes at discount. And listen, she's a member of this church. Isn't that marvelous? <laughs> she just looked at me and said, what size? Okay. So I get everything at discount price. <laughs> I'll give you her name. Where till I work out. <laughs> you, do you understand what I mean? Do you understand what I mean? When we are pushed into positions, we don't like it. But when God tells you to do something, it's so good to do it. And not only that, he will bless you a hundredfold. A hundredfold. I've I've, I've lived through the experience of God saying to me, Listen, so-and-so needs help. Take care of them this week. And I haven't done it. You know, you get busy, you run, I I haven't done it. Then the person came up to me, dying of shame, with their head practically in their hand and trembling from head to foot, and said, "I've, I've got a tremendous need. They didn't ask me for anything, they asked to borrow. And I stood and looked at the person, and I started to cry. They thought I was crazy. I was crying not because they were asking me. I was crying because God had already told me. And I had put that person through that type of pressure. Do you understand what I mean? We shouldn't have to do that. You see, the one that takes care of his church is the Holy Spirit. He's the ministering force and presence here. When he lays something on your heart, you just obey. You just do it. Don't wait on anybody. Have you ever felt that what you have to give is too little and you get embarrassed? Don't. Don't. I've shaken a hand and left a $5 bill in it. And you know something? Have you ever been hungry? So hungry that a $5 bill looks like a 50 Come on, let me see. Let me see. No poor people in my congregation. Thank you. Thank you. I've had somebody give me a $5. Oh! I'm ready to take off and know that God... What, 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 what am I getting at this day? I'm getting at living loosely in God's truth. In God's truth. Because listen, God never takes without returning a hundredfold. That's the best banking I've ever heard of. And listen, the Bible says, uh, it says, don't store up treasures here on earth where they can erode or may be stolen. Store them up in heaven where they'll never lose their value and are safe from thieves. If your treasures, if your profits are in heaven, your heart will be there too. Now, the book of Proverbs says that he that doesn't save for a rainy day, hey, will be without an umbrella. I'll, I'll forgive the end of that one. But it does say something like that. Does the Bible contradict itself? No, it does not. It does not. There is a way of wisdom in God's word. There is a way of wisdom in God's truth. God doesn't want you to stand out there with your wallet open and say, Here, five for you, five for you, ten for you, five for you. And then you go home and your wife says, Ah, How about the milk for the kids? No, 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 that's not it. Listen, folks, God's not crazy. God's not dumb. God is a God of ultimate knowledge, a God of wonders, a God that doeth all things well, a God that knows what's happening in our lives. The only thing is, you can't be free to give until you're filled with the spirit of the giver. Amen. So to tell people to be to give is, is very easy, it's very dogmatic. I come from a strict Pentecostal church. And I remember my father was in it just hey, just six six weeks. And the pastor came up to him and said, Hermano Raphael, my father's name. Usted no diasma. You're not tithing. My father looked at the pastor and laughed. (laughs) He said, tithe. He says, I don't even have enough with what I make. He says, you know something, pastor? My kids don't wear shoes. They eat them. I'm positive. I'm positive they take them off somewhere in the pray yard and they chew on them. Because shoes don't last my kids a month. We've always been that way. I met a lady today, that, this week, that has a pair of shoes 12 years old. She's a miracle lady. I've never had a, I've never had a pair of shoes for a, uh, for, 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 for a year. How do you like that? So the pastor, lo- but my father looked at the pastor, and it was so sweet because my father wasn't holding back. He wasn't holding back. He was just telling him the truth. And then my father told the pastor another one of our great secrets, and this is the secret. We don't have enough money. We even have to buy the food on time. Anybody know what this means? Fiao? Fiao? Put it on the book. You know that? Tell tell them to put it in the book. Apunta. That's it. Que lo apunte. Put it on the book. And I remember we used to go with the little book. And my mother was a terror with her book. She'd put the date on it, and she'd even put next to it what she got. So that when she went in, there's no there's no other apuntes but my mother's. Okay, so in that, she was careful. So he told, he told the pastor all of this. And the pastor just looked at him and he says, but listen, God's not a liar. And God says in the book of Malachi, you've, 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 you've stolen from me. You've stolen from me. You are thieves. And the prophet answers back and says, How have we stolen from you? Tithes and offerings. Whoever doesn't give them, whoever says they love the Lord and doesn't pay tithes and offerings, you're stealing from God. So the pastor told that to my father. And my father says, Well, I don't know. No tengo. You know, I don't have. Then the pastor was so wise and so precious. Pastor Lopez, Manuel Lopez. He's still alive. He's about 93 years old in the hills of Puerto Rico. And he says to my father, he says, hermano Garcia, let's make a deal. That was way before Mondi Wolf, Mondi, or whatever his name is. Thank you. See that? See that? This church knows. Way before then, he said, for the next month, you pay no he said for the next two months you pay your tithes i will not bank it i will keep it in the envelope and i'll keep it in the church book for the next two weeks i'm not too sure if it's two weeks or a month but that's unimportant And my father says, well, he spoke it it over with my mother. And my mother was so happy to have daddy in church at that time because, you know, mother was there a year before he ever showed up. And so then he made the bargain. And my dad paid his tithes. And the pastor showed him a way to pay that no, I've never heard heard of it. He says, before you pay anybody else, you pay God. Pay God. Then take care of the rest. But God comes first. My father says, okay, está bien. I try. (laughs) And they did that. They did that. And it was so interesting. Because before the first month was over, I remember my mother's big decision. She was so happy. No mafiao. No more writing it in the book, no more, no more. Mother said to Dad, we'll just buy what we need. You know, I'm going back with this, folks, till I was eight years old and I'm 62, so you figure it out, okay? I'm going back this time. And in those days you did buy two cents worth of onions, and you did buy five cents worth of tocino, and you did buy, hey, a pound of rice. I, I really mean this, these were tiny little portions Enough to make that evening meal. And don't forget the can of corned beef. Don't ever forget that. Un amarillo. All right, okay. Let's have... All right, you're all hungry by now. <laughs> These are standard plates. If, if Probably if we were black, we could talk about collard greens and a few other things. But you know what I mean. So when it, before a month was over, mother was already buying. Big deal. Cash. Cash before the second week was over. We were able to get some new sneakers. I don't, ever, I don't ever recall except Easter and Christmas wearing shoes. We always wore sneakers. Eighty-nine cents a pair. Kids get them today for a hundred, right? Ninety, eighty? Yeah. Oh, burn them, folks. Burn them. <laughs> well, anyway. And back to the farm. Well, anyway. The time was up. If it was two, three, a month, the time was up. And the pastor, dad didn't go to the pastor. Because somehow or other, the joy of giving filled my father's heart. His little brown envelope, which was all they had then, with his name on it and his simple amount of tithe, He went with such joy with that. Every week, every week. When the month was over, the pastor called my father. He said, Don Rafa, look, this is what we've saved. Let me tell you something else the pastor said. He said, if after the month you need something, we'll give you back your money and we'll give you back what you need. You see, you can only do this with a true heart. You can only do this with real people. You can only do this with people that really want to serve the Lord. Because if you don't want to give and if you don't want to serve the Lord, it's never going to work out. Well, the month was over. My father had completely forgotten. And he shared with the pastor the fact that it didn't go back on the book. And that now they were buying sneakers for us and, and feeling good about it. And that everything so far, my father said, so far, is going good. <laughs> and let me tell you something. It went good from that day on. And I don't think it was more than a year or two later when my dad became the treasurer of Thessalonica Christian Church. And I thought to myself, <laughs> it was so funny. Dad, you didn't pay your tithes when you walked in. You ended up treasurer. How'd you work that one out? He says, no. And then he told me this precious story. And, and he taught. Folks, let me tell you something about teaching to give. One person said to me, you can't, because giving is a grace. But at the same time, graces must be taught. Children are not born saying thank you. Children are not born saying I beg your pardon. Children are not born saying yes, ma'am, no, sir. They're not born that way. Graces are taught. And when they're taught from people that exercise them, Because the greatest teaching is living example. And so let me share this with you. Although giving is a grace and you've got to want to give, I will tell you this. It's not only a grace, but it's got to be taught. It's interesting because someone was sharing with me that at the Brooklyn Tabernacle, Pastor Simbler after what is it, almost 18, 19 years, has just started preaching on tithing. Just started. And he says, I never did because I thought it was until one person approached him and says, you know, pastor, you're making sinners out of us. And he says, what do you mean I'm making? You keep saying uh, that those that want to give, give, and that it's a grace, and if God touches you, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the tenth belongs to the Lord. And you say, you mean I've got to give 10% of my earnings to God? Oh, you people are 10 percent No, this is what I mean. God says you can have 90%. God says you can have 90%. He doesn't want it all. He doesn't want it all. You can have 90% of what you earn. There were people taken to Jonestown by somebody that taught them that everything they owned belonged to them. And there they died under a horrendous ownership. Now we don't teach that. What you have belongs to you. And through God's grace and through the teaching of the word, you will know how to give. And you'll know when to give. I used to be a preacher for Mother Horn on Lenox Avenue and 130th Street. That really dates me. And I loved Mother Horn and Sister Jessie, her daughter. And I used to march in their prayer marches. Brother Negron, remember? You pray and then you give till it hurts. And then you give till it stops hurting. Then you've learned to give. Might be a little exaggerated, but that's okay. Giving is part of our ministry to the Lord. Sister Amy, what's done with what we give? Well,. We pay salaries, and with the salaries that we pay, other than mine, you would not want to work here. Okay? It's close to home relief salaries. Well, simply because that's all we can afford. And whoever is here has to be here because they don't have financial burdens that require that they make more. Do you understand? Once that burden exists, well, then we, we can't cover it. But other than that, and it's very—it's it, 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 a limited amount of people. Where do we where do we go heavy? We go heavy, heavier than anything in missions. I, I meant to bring down the sheet for you. We at this time are supporting in 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 ministry and in missions over. organizations and I'm so proud of that last year we gave over 32,000 we've budgeted this year in missions to reach 48,000 and we're gonna reach it we are on every continent of the globe and don't think I pick them at random I know these people I know who they are I know what they're doing and you've met many of them on Tuesday nights here in God's house So that's that's one thing. And then we have a budget which this year will exceed 36,000 for our children's work. And that's something we're never gonna give up and we're gonna do till the day we die. And I am terribly excited. We have in-house and we have the Poconos and now we have our story hour which is just limited to a few but it will get larger. We know it. Everything grows here. It's just a matter of time. We're ready. We're ready. Cheryl is teaching. Joseph Henry is teaching. I am teaching. Nancy is teaching. Everybody's teaching at the 3:30 to 4:30 uh, children's hour. So I thank the Lord for that. And this is this is where we're at. And I'm excited. I am terribly excited. And let me share this, and, and we're going to have holy communion. You're going to need holy communion, right, to get over this sermon. That's okay. Uh, we have to make up our minds that our walk with God is going to be a complete walk. I started saying something to you and I gave it to you in the illustration of my father, but that was a very positive illustration. But there is a negative side of giving and it's the side where you're justified by what you give. In other words, that becomes part of your spiritual justification No, folks, it is not. It is not. We give as unto the Lord, and we give with great joy. And this is the way the church has to be taught. Some people like it. Some people do not like it. But I have to be faithful to the one that has called me. And I will tell you that giving is the greatest blessing in the whole wide world. Next week we'll start way, way, way at the beginning of the Bible, where we find Abraham giving tithes to Melchizedek in a time of battle, in a time of victory, an establishment of what God wanted. We then move on to the, uh, the tabernacle in the wilderness and the book of Exodus and God establishing tithes and offerings. And then we go on, and as we go on through the entire Bible and closing with the tremendous book of Malachi, and that's, that's, what G- that's what God says to Israel, you have failed me. You have stolen from me. And it's so strange to hear the voice of the prophet, and it says, though you have scorned my laws from the earliest times. Yet you may still return to me, says the Lord Almighty. Come, and I will forgive you. But then you say, When have we, we have never even gone away. Will a man rob God? Surely not. And yet you've robbed me. What do you mean? When did we ever rob you? You've robbed me of the tithes and offerings due me. And so the awesome curse of God is cursing you. For your whole nation has been robbing me. Bring the tithes to the storehouse so that there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Then the prophet goes on and says in the voice of the Lord, Try it. Let me prove it to you. Your crops will be large for I will guard them from insects and plagues. Your grapes won't shrivel away before, you're, before they've ever ripened, says, says the Lord Almighty. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land sparkling with happiness. These are the promises of the Lord Almighty. Amen. Imagine that's the way the Old Testament ends. And then Jesus comes on with grace and power. And you know what he says? Not forgetting what has been established and going on to a greater work with God. I love him. I want you to love him.